going to do a little Bible drills this morning, so have your Bibles out or your device on, and we're going to jump around. Uh, this is very much out of my comfort zone. It's not uh, exegetical from one passage of Scripture, but uh, again, I, I told you we were talking about this uh, series that God had laid on my heart, The Lies the Enemy Tells Us, and we're going to talk about another one of those today. Very similar to the lie that he told last week, did God really say? This one, though, sounds a little bit more familiar, and it may sound a little bit more awkward for you to hear that this is a lie, and that is God wants us to be happy. Now, I know that when I say that, that the, the, the sentence, the sentiment, the phrase, God wants us to be happy is a lie, that probably runs afoul of some of you, some of your theology, but I hope you'll give me the benefit of the doubt, which apparently is the most costly thing on the, world, on the earth. But I pray that you will, and just don't tune me out, but just stay lean, lean in a little bit, and let's work through this. So how many of you know a person, or maybe you will admit that you are an if-only person? You know what an if-only person is? There's, the, there, there's people in our lives that always say, if only blank, I could be happy. If only fill in the blank, I could be happy. Let me give you some examples. If only I had a boyfriend, or if only I had a girlfriend, if only... This girl would go out with me. This guy would go out with me. If only I could get married. If only my marriage were better. If only I had a better job. If only I could get this promotion. If only my boss would quit holding me back. If only I had this house. If I could live in this place. If only I could visit this or travel the world. If only my team would not keep me on the hook all the game long and act like they're going to lose the game until the very last minute and give me a cardiac. I'm sorry. Um, if only my team had an offensive line. How about this one? If only I could live my truth. <laughs> if only I could just live my truth. People won't let me live my truth. Let me tell you what won't let me live my truth is clothes. I'd like to be a medium, Cole. <laughs> if I'm living my truth in a medium up here, it's going to be a bad day. There's going to be some buttons <laughs> flying around. How about this one? This is the worst one. If only I could be God. Now, here's the dirty little secret. I said that last one, and y'all thought to yourself, well, I've done some of those. I've thought some of those. I, maybe, I'm, maybe I am an if-only person, but I've never said that. I've never thought that I wanted to be in God's position. I've never thought to myself, if only I could be God, or if only I could call the shots. If only he would move over and let me sit where I deserve to sit, which is on the throne of the universe, and make all decisions. But here's the issue. If you said any of the other if-onlys, look at me, you're guilty of saying the last one. You see, that's the problem that Eve had. Eve was not the, the, the allure of the apple. And by the way, it's not an apple. <clears throat> I know that. But we're just going to say that because it's, you know, alliteration. The allure of the apple. All right? The allure of the apple did not lead her into sin. The allure was for God's place. Remember what the enemy said. He knows that if you eat it, you will be like him. That was what was attractive to her, not the taste of the fruit, but the idea that she could be in the position of God. Anytime you say, if only things were this much different, if only this one thing that I feel like in my life is missing, by the way, unless that thing is Jesus, if you, if you say that, if only I had Jesus, everything would be great and I could be happy, I've got good news for you. He's available. 
But the problem is not that, that we need something else. It's that we need to be in God's position. We need God's authority to speak over our own lives and call our own shots and give us what we think we rightly deserve. And I want to tell you something. Getting what you deserve is highly overrated from a theological standpoint. This was the problem that Adam and Eve had, and it's the problem we have as well. Now, I will, I will tell you, I'll give you a little, little caveat to this, because I know some people would think this is being mean-spirited, mean and that's just not my nature. Okay. Y'all are being generous this morning. I, I'm not being mean-spirited. I really did. I wrestled with this, whether or not to give you who this quote was from, but I didn't want to seem like I was trying to be coy. I didn't want to seem like I was trying to be, you know, listen, I, I'll be honest with you. When you say something, you've got to own it. So I'm going to give you who the quote was from, and then we're going to discuss it, because this is the problem with this kind of mentality of God wants me to be happy. Uh, Victoria Osteen, who is the wife of Joel Osteen, the pastor of Lakewood Church in Houston back in 2014, made this statement, and you've probably seen the videos before. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God, we're doing it for ourselves, because God takes pleasure when we are happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Of all the convoluted, misinterpreted, Ignorant things that I have ever heard said, that may be the most dangerous. And here's why. The same reason that I said when I tell you that this, this statement, God wants you to be happy, is a lie. And some of you kind of recoiled a little bit. That's the problem with her statement. It sounds so good that you want it to be true, but it's not. Here's the problem with the prosperity gospel. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. If you're just so into my ministry, he'll return back tenfold. If you'll just give a little bit, God will bless you even greater. He's going to pay off your debts. He's going to pay off your house. If you're just to the God, if you, if you need to be healed, you just need to have more faith. If, if you, just, you just need to do all this because God loves you and God wants you to be happy. Here's the problem with that mentality. What happens when you ain't happy? You blame God. When you're not happy and your theology is based on God wants me to be happy, that's God's ultimate pleasure is for me to be happy, then what happens when you get cancer? What happens when you have a miscarriage? What happens when your marriage ends, when your spouse cheats, when your job goes away, when your house burns, when a hurricane comes in and puts 14 foot of sea surge into your property? What happens then? Then you look at God and say, dude, I thought we had a deal. I thought we had a deal. Uh, you, you want me to be happy. I want me to be happy. This seems like it ought to work out really well. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. He's not interested in your happiness. God wants me to be happy is a lie from the pits of hell. Here's the biggest problem with it, Grayson. More often than not, we're the ones who perpetrate that lie. We're the ones who continue to tell that lie to others and to ourselves. Man, everything's just not going well for me. I know God wants me to be happy. Maybe I should just do X or maybe I should just do Y. 
Micah 6, 8, Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. I believe in our New Testament church context that this verse aligns really well with the great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. These two things come together, and we understand it clearly from the prophet Micah. God has told him in telling us, act justly, love faithfulness, walk humbly with your God. And what we translate that in the New Testament is, love God, love others, make disciples. What's missing? It doesn't say love God, love others, and be happy. It doesn't say act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, and be happy. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. By the way, not happy lips. Lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. It's not that God is displeased with us doing good, but God examines motives. If you're doing, just do good for your own selves. Here's what she's saying. Be selfish. Here's what the Bible says. Don't be selfish. Everything in Scripture, everything... Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, stepped out of heaven and stepped onto this rock. And why did he come? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. But he also said this. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus lived a life of unselfishness. Why in the world, what in your little pea brain would ever think that God wants you to be selfish? Even if good things come from your selfishness, it's still selfishness, and it's still wrong. I want to show you the error in the statement, God wants us to be happy. And I want to give you two statements that I hope will, will run against this statement of God wants you to be happy, and then I want to elaborate on those and help us understand exactly what it is that we need to hold on to from this lie that the enemy tells us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day and this opportunity to preach your word, to, to expound on things that you have told us in your scriptures. Lord, I pray that you would shut my mouth if I'm saying anything that is not in line with your will. I pray, dear God, that you would speak clearly to us today through your word, through your servant, through your spirit. For the edification of your people, for the exalting of your son, we pray it in his name. Amen. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. That's the first statement. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. Listen to this quote from Augustine, one of the great church fathers from centuries ago. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. You know why you can't find happiness? Because you're looking for it in every place other than in the fulfillment of of being a child of the king. You want to be a pauper and find happiness. You want to be a joker and find happiness. You want to be an adversary of God and find happiness. Good luck. 
Good luck. You see, here's the problem. We've, we've been sold a bill of goods in this country. We've been sold a bill of goods in this world. We have been told that happiness is the ultimate goal of this life. Happiness is the ultimate goal. Listen to me. Some of you know this for a fact. Some of you have lived this. There's a lot of things in this life that eat happiness for breakfast. There's a lot of stuff you're going to deal with in this life. Just beat happiness like a rented mule and goes right on about its merry way. There, there is, listen, happiness versus some of the stuff that I've seen and some of the stuff that you've seen, there's nobody there to throw in the towel. There's no referee. There's no time limit. It's just out behind the woodshed until whatever it is gets tired of beating on and eating on happiness. I haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm younger than some of you, older than some of you. Here's what I know. I always talk about this. It's not the years, it's the mileage. It's like a car. You have a car, you see a car, it's a, it's a 1960-something whatever, and it can be worth a billion dollars or next to nothing. Why? Depending on the mileage. How beat up is the car? How run down is the car? How, does the engine slip? Uh, does the transmission slip? Does the engine burn gas? It, it's not the years, it's the mileage. And I'm telling you, some of us have had a little higher mileage than others. I, I think back to going through COVID and, and going through Lanny's illness and, and all the, the first part of that and, and, and even today dealing with some of the stuff coming from that. I think about the loss of April's dad a little over three years ago. Some of y'all were here that Wednesday night when we got the call. I was teaching Bible study and got the call and her aunt said, if you want to see him, you need to get to Tampa. And we left and drove through the night to see him and that was not a happiness moment. I didn't get it. There was no God has a wonderful plan for your life in my mind in that moment. The loss of my dad, the loss of her mom, uh, miscarriage, job changes, uh, just a lot of stuff has happened. And, and if, if, if I thought that happiness was my ultimate goal, I, I'll be honest with you. Me and God would have to have a word. God, why would you design me? Why would you put me? Why would you create me and drop me on this rock Give me to my parents and then make one of my parents an alcoholic. That doesn't help me pursue happiness. That doesn't help me find happiness. Why, why would you give me this awesome woman and then have all these things that we have to go through, all these trials, all this loss, all this hurt, all this pain? Why would you do that if, if happiness is my ultimate goal? I'm trying to serve you. Why don't you just make me happy? Listen to me because he ain't about making me happy. His job is not to satisfy my desire for happiness. My job is to satisfy his desire that I be obedient to whatever he has called me to do. Disappointment, death, disease, disaster, these things will beat happiness to a bloody pulp. And if your hope is in happiness, you are going to take the beating right along with it. Job 14.1. By the way, let's, let's make, Austin, let's make a shirt. We're going to put a shirt. John, uh, Job 14.1 is going to be our shirt, okay? Anyone born of woman, by the way, anybody here not born of woman? I've been in the delivery room, Neil. There's no gender confusion in delivery room. I'm real sure if you think that you were born not of a woman, please come see me after the service. I got questions. Job 14.1, anyone born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. We put it like Comic Sans and make it ironic. Whimsical and terrifying. I bet you wouldn't sell a lot of them shirts, would we? Probably not. 
with all that in mind, it's obvious that God didn't design us and put us here for us to chase happiness. So here, here's one question for you. Why are you chasing happiness? For you to chase happiness is one of the most nonsensical things that you could possibly do. Why are you doing it? If you would, turn your Bibles to Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. He wrote a letter to the church at Philippi from a Roman prison where he would be executed just a few short years later. And yet in this, in this book of four short chapters, he uses the words joy and rejoice 14 times. Look at me, 14 times. Lauren, if I'm ever writing you a letter from prison, I can guarantee you, you won't see the words joy or rejoice a time, much less 14. You're going to see lawyer. You're going to see maybe cake with a file in it. You're going to see... And yet here the apostle, and by the way, he wasn't writing this from a, 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 an American prison with rights and ACLU, and he was writing this from a Roman prison where you had the right to shut up and be executed, and that was pretty much your only two rights you had in a Roman prison. So he, he's not in some club fed. He is in a dungeon chained to somebody else. He's not having a good time. He is not enjoying happiness from this life. And yet, look at what he writes in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. By the way, I just realized, Julie, that verse 8 is y'all's verse for the retreat. I thought that was pretty cool. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He's writing it from a prison. He's not writing it from a yacht. He's not writing it from the, the penthouse or the most beautiful hotel overlooking the, the beautiful bay or, or coast or whatever. He's not writing it from some chalet in the mountain where he's got people waiting on him and he's, he's sipping his hot cocoa. He is in a prison and he tells the people at the church at Philippi to rejoice. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Stop there for a minute. The peace of God. Can I tell you what happiness has never brought me? Peace. You know what I know about every extremely wealthy person that I have ever met? You know what they all want more of? Wealth. Every one of them. They're tripping over themselves trying to figure out how they can magnify and amplify and multiply what they've got more of than I could ever even imagine to have. You would think that they would say, okay, a billion. When I get to a billion, by then I'm going to take a break. I'm going to retire. And no, they get a billion and they go, well, I got to gotta, gotta get 10. If I can get one, i got to get ten. And then they, they're working themselves to the bone and they're taking advantage of people and they're cutting corners and they're lobbying politicians and they're, and they're look at all of them. And, and most every one of them, not every one of them, but most of the ones that we see, they got wreckage in their personal life behind them. Why? Because they're not concerned about personal relationships and spouses and kids. They're worried about making that do-re-mi. They're working and working and working to stack it. And yet Paul here says... I'm in a prison. I'm writing you not to worry about anything. And why? Because if you'll just present everything to the, to the Lord God Almighty, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever, even if you're in a Roman prison. Verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Y'all got your Bibles open? Double check me there. Mason, you're, you're attention to detail, guy. I must have missed it. Surely somewhere in verse 8, it says to think about or dwell on happiness. Does it say that? Did anybody see that in your Bible? If you got that translation, chunk that bad boy. That's one of them weird translations. Dwell on what? Dwell on, dwell on what makes me happy. Dwell on what just makes me just... No. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, any moral excellence, anything praiseworthy. Dwell on these things. Then why in the world are we dwelling on happiness? Why are we chasing it and pursuing it? And all the stuff that this world tells us will bring it to us. Wouldn't you rather have the peace of God? If you've never experienced what peace feels like, you have no earthly idea what you're missing. There was a man in Dothan that was diagnosed with um, uh, bladder cancer, if I remember right. I think it was bladder. And, and, and I, I was the only full-time staff member at the time, and I was freaked out. James, I was scared out of my mind. I got to go pray with this guy that's going up to have surgery for this, like, death sentence. Now, this, that's bad. And, and I'm like, what am I going to say to him? I, I, I feel like I, I'm out of my depths. And so I call him up and I said, hey, I want to know if I can come by. And they said, actually, we're going up a day early. Uh, we're about to leave. Why don't we just stop by the church on our way out of town? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. That's whatever's convenient for you. That's what I want to do. Okay, we'll stop by there. So they're, they're leaving the house and they're coming to the church. And man, I'm like chewing my fingernails and I'm thinking, I'm reading the Bible. I'm going, what, do I say? what, what verse do I say? What, how do I say this guy? They walk in, I greet him. We go back to this little corner office where nobody, there's an empty office. And we sit down there and I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, like breathe, breathe. And we start talking, and I said, well, well, tell me what's, how you feeling? And he said, Brother Kevin, I'll be honest with you. He said, I just got a peace. I'm trying to figure out what to say to encourage him, and the Holy Spirit is so far ahead of me, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> I had to tell him before they left, I said, I need to apologize to you. I feel like we have swapped roles today. You're the one going up for this surgery. You've gotten this terribly, uh, you know, challenging diagnosis, and I'm, I'm just here, and yet you've encouraged me much more than I've encouraged you. It's because he had the peace of God that passes understanding. It's a, it's a stupid peace. It's a ridiculous peace. It's a nonsensical peace that nobody else could understand outside of where you are. When you're in the tempest and you're in the peace of God and you're basically kicked back like having a coffee going, hey, I'm good. And everybody's watching you going, how are you going to survive? What's going to happen? You're like, what? yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> you're just chilling. That's the peace of God. Don't miss the fact that we're not told to dwell on the things that make us happy, but the things that help us honor God. He wasn't waiting for happiness in that prison. He was living in the joy that only the peace of God can bring. We find our greatest joy in life when we find God's deepest desire for our life. Let me say that again. We find our greatest joy in life when we find God's deepest desire for our life. You don't have a happy life or you don't have a peaceful life. Pursue Christ. 
Submit yourself to God and say, Father, show me what your deepest desire is for my life. I guarantee you, come back and talk to me. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I guarantee you, you will find so much more peace and joy than anything else that you're pursuing today. But what about me getting my degree? Pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. Make sure that that degree you're pursuing is something that you can honor the Lord with and He's calling you to pursue it and then you're going to find joy. What about this relationship and I just don't know if she's the right one, if he's the right one. Stop pursuing him. Stop pursuing her and pursue Christ. Girls, let me tell you something. Sidebar with the pastor. All the girls, all the single ladies, all the single don't, I knew Cole was going to do the dance. I'm not doing the dance. Not, not, for, not for love nor money. Girls, listen to me. If you're chasing after some old hairy-legged, knock-kneed, buck-toothed boy, and he's not pursuing Christ, you are wasting your time. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Single man in the room. If you are pursuing some young lady, but you're not pursuing Christ... You're wasting both of your time. Yeah, but man, I, I'm, I'm really good at math, and I'm going to get a big-time job and make a bunch of money, and you're going to be a very wealthy, dirtbag loser because you're not pursuing Christ. I've seen white trash with money. It ain't pretty. Pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added into you. Does that mean if I'm pursuing Christ, I'm going to be rich? Lord, I hope not. Because I've messed up. <laughs> what I'm saying is it won't matter what else you have. If you pursue Christ, if you attain that relationship with Christ, everything else will fall in place. The psalmist says in Psalm 103.5 that God satisfies us with good things. But you always need to remember that's based on his definition of good. Sometimes his definition of good is painful. Again, we're temporal. We're not eternal thinkers. We're eternal beings. We are a spirit occupying a body. But we are not eternal thinkers right now. We, have, we don't have the glorified body, glorified mind. We have flesh. And so we think temporally. And we think this is it. And so when I lose this loved one, if I lose this thing, if I lose this job, if I don't attain this thing, that it's going to be all over and I'm broken and I don't know how I'm going to go, by, go, go on. God satisfies us with good, with good things, but it's according to his definition of good. Thomas Aquinas said, It is impossible for any created good to constitute man's happiness. For happiness is that perfect good which entirely satisfies one desire, one's desire. This is to be found not in any creature but in God alone. Why? Because every creature has only participated in goodness. Think of the goodest person you know. Think of the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, most humble, generous, awesome person that you know. That person is a wretched sinner apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. They have only participated in goodness. They can't be good because they are flesh. Those two things are dichotomous. They can't, they can't co coexist. He goes on, he says, therefore God alone can satisfy the will of man. Therefore God alone constitutes 
man's happiness. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is forever. And joy is only found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, holiness is better than happiness. Holiness is better than happiness. Listen, all day long, twice on Sundays, holiness is better than than happiness. We assume that God wants us to be happy because we want God to want us to be happy. But can I tell you something? God wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you than just to be happy. He said this in Luke 9. He's having this conversation with people, and, and there's a big crowd, and they're, they're wanting to know uh, what he's going to say next, and he, he kind of hits them with the left cross here. Luke 9, 23, he says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And we hear that, take up your cross, and we think, Oh, man, it's just it's my old lady. It's my cross to bear. Or we think somebody says, Oh, you know, I got, this, I got this smoking habit. It's my cross to bear. Or somebody's got a problem with her, oh man, I got off, oh, Arthur has set in on me and it's just my cross to bear. No, this original audience would have heard him say this and this is what they would have heard in, in their context. Uh, if anyone wants to come, follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his instrument of death and follow me. Take up his instrument of death. They would have known and when he said take up your cross, he was talking about crucifixion, not anything else, crucifixion, take up Whatever is going to kill me can kill me as long as I've denied myself and I've accepted that fact and I'm following Christ. And then he goes on in verse 24 to say, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. See, the quest for happiness apart from a quest for holiness is something that has always plagued mankind. Go to the garden. Even Adam, eat anything you want. Anything you want in the whole garden, anything, as much of it as you want. Hillary, there were no calories in the Garden of Eden. I guarantee you that whatever fruit from whatever tree they ate tasted better than lobster, tasted better than steak, tasted better than banana pudding. Well, maybe not better than banana pudding. <laughs> I got carried away. Whew. I'm kidding. It tasted better than anything you can ever imagine. Why? Because at this point there was no sin in the world. See, the best thing you've ever tasted is fallen, and you're tasting it through a fallen filter, fallen taste buds. They can have as much as they want, anything they want, except this one tree, and they went straight to that tree. Why? Because they wanted to be like God, because they thought they knew better than God. They didn't want the good gifts of God. They wanted their own thing. Hello? Don't say amen, because I ain't trying to get you on front street, but you and I both know that that's you. That's me. If we leave our flesh alone, our flesh is going to do that. I don't want the good things that God wants for me. I want to choose what's good. I want to pick what I want and what's good. And then I want God to be some big cosmic butler and just come deliver it to me on a silver platter with a, with a towel around his wrist. And listen to me, that ain't his job. That ain't going to happen. Listen to what happened in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he writes this in Jeremiah 2.13. God says to him, he says, My people have committed a double evil. Ooh. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves. Cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah that he's the source of joy, but people would rather try to find it everywhere but in him. So here's really kind of for our vernacular... A cistern is a, is, a, is a container of water. 
They would dig out and they would make these cisterns and then they would put this water in it and then it would crack and it would run out. Now the analogy here is, they're not, he doesn't mean literally that he's trying to pour them Dasani and they're putting it in broke cisterns. What he's saying is, you're looking for happiness, you're looking for fulfillment in everything but in what I'm providing you. You think you have it better than me. You think your water is better than my water. And so rather than let me just pour my living water into your soul, you make this container and then you want to put your own water in it and then you can't figure out why you're not satisfied. Well, good gracious. Who can do the math on such a problem as that? God has told me what is good. He's told me what to do. He's given me living water, and I've rejected his living water, and I've gone and dug my own cisterns, and I'm putting my own water. Here, for our understanding, this is what it is. God has provided a purified drinking fountain, and all you have to do is walk in and drink anytime, anywhere. It's like it follows you around. You go to the gym. You don't have to find their drink machine. That fountain is right there. God says, you thirsty? Come here, get a drink. You don't need a cup. You don't need a, cu a mug. You don't need one of those $85 thermoses that keep everything hot until Jesus comes back or make it so cold you can't drink it. None of that. And here's what we did. Okay, God, thank you for that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in the ditch I'm going to go look beside the interstate, and I'm going to find some busted-up-looking uh, uh, water bottle. It looks like somebody had done something heinous to it. It's got little crawlies in it. And I'm going to go down to this ditch with a little stream. It's kind of a little running water, and I'm going to get water out of that, and that's what I'm going to keep to try to make me feel complete and whole. And so here I am standing before God who's offered this purified water anytime I want it, all I want to drink, and I'm holding my busted-up, rusted-up, scraggly-looking bobo water bottle with holes in it, water dripping all out, and little things swimming, little, the little things you know, swim in the water, and I'm going, look what I got. That's what they're doing in the prophet Jeremiah's age. And can I tell you something, church? Boy, we're doing that today. I don't need God. I've got these, Oprah wrote a book, Dr. Phil, some other guy, hey, look, I don't need Dr. Phil, I got a pill, I don't need to look for my joy in God, I take two or three of these and be, pfft. and I'm not trying to mock medicine, medicine has its place, but if you're trying to find your happiness in this life and you're looking for it apart from a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to wear yourself out and you're never going to accomplish it. Here's the question. Is there something in your life that you're drinking from instead of drinking from the well of living water that is Christ Jesus? There is, however, even though they're not the same, there's a strong correlation between pursuing holiness and finding happiness. Uh, the book of Psalms, one of the greatest books of, of literature anywhere, and it's in the middle of the Bible. And the very first psalm, the first verse, Psalm 1-1, says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. What is he saying there? I don't walk with them, I don't stand with them, and I sure don't sit with them. Why? Because they're not going to lead me to Christ. They're not going to show me the holiness of God. They're going to lead me astray. And so how happy, look at there, they're circling, underline it, Psalm 1-1. How happy is the one who doesn't hang out with people who don't make him closer to Jesus? You want, to, you want to be happy? Pursue holiness. There's also a strong correlation between pursuing holiness and finding the source of all joy. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. I, I got to be holy to see the Lord. You sure do. 
We struggle in this life when we search for anything without seeking the Lord. We fight this battle day after day after day when we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, and that battle is between the flesh and the Spirit. Our flesh wants to do what it wants to do. It wants to dig its own cisterns and store its own water. It wants to pursue its own goals and, and have its own happiness and, and speak its truth and live its truth. And yet God is providing us with the Holy Spirit to be our onboard navigation system to direct us to what is really perfect, what is Jesus Christ, what is God's will for our life, so we can not only know the joy of the Lord, but we can have the peace of God that passes understanding. R.C. Sproul said, part of us yearns for the holy, while part of us despises it. We can't live with it, and we can't live without it. That's the problem of flesh and spirit. It's a dichotomy. It's a battle every day. We can find happiness through our circumstances, but we can only find holiness through our Savior. Your problem, if you're not happy and you don't have peace, is not anything else other than your pursuit. Pursue holiness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, uh, since we have these promises, and he means the promises to be children of God through Christ, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Holiness doesn't come from happiness. It comes from a reverence for the awesomeness of God. At least six times in Scripture, the Bible commands us to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. Be holy as He is holy. Six times in Leviticus, and Peter writes a letter, 1 Peter uh, uh, 1, 6, he writes a letter and he says, Hey, by the way, in case y'all forgot about what was said in Leviticus about the requirement to be holy, let me remind you, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's one of the wisdom books. How many of you, while you're turning there, how many of you have read the book of Ecclesiastes like, or, or studied it maybe? Written by Solomon, one of the wisest men, that probably the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, at his, in his period of time, the wealthiest man on the planet, the most powerful man on the planet, he, he had everything you can imagine. He had, uh, was it 700 wives, 300 wives and 700 concubines? He had all this, he had a palace and he had all this stuff. He had everything you could imagine. Everything that the world would say, man, that guy's got it made. He, he's, he's, the, he's the cat daddy of them all. He's, he's the walking boss. And he writes this book, and in his book he's saying, hey, I've tried to figure all this out. I've, I've taken all my immense knowledge and wisdom and power and money and, and prowess and I've tried to figure things out so I can let you know. And in the first part of the book, he says, it's all going up. <laughs> That's the Kevin translation. It ain't all worth what they think it is. Y'all, you've been sold a bill of goods. Vanity, vanity. Everything is fleeting. Everything is going away. And then he closes the book in chapter 12 with this. Now, don't miss this. Wisest man, most powerful, rich, wealth he's got. He, he's, anything sexually, he's, he's got... Power militarily, he's got uh, food, drink, everything. He's, he's got it made. This is what he writes, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. In other words, he's saying, hey, I've looked it up and down and sideways, and this is everything that I've figured out. Here it is. The conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands. But what about my 401k? Fear God and keep his command. Well, what about me getting this promotion and getting this? 
fear God and keep his commands. Well, what about my fear God and keep his commands? Because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Church, listen to me. We are in a battle in this world because we don't belong to this world. We are in it, but we are not of it. And in our world, worldliness makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange, while holiness makes sin look strange and righteousness look normal. But the key fact is this. You can't achieve holiness on your own. That's why so few of us pursue it. That's why it's so easy to be duped into pursuing something else. Jared Wilson, in his book called The Gospel According to Satan, he said, The devil would love for you to be perfectly happy as long as you're not holy. He knows hap happily unholy people rob glory from God and go happily to hell. Can I just tell you something? Pornography, sex, addiction, uh, wealth, fame, every sinful thing in this earth always does two things. It always overpromises and it always underdelivers. That's the dirty little lie that the dealer won't tell you, the salesman won't tell you. It always overpromises and it always underdelivers. Under delivers. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screw Tape Letters, uh, he, he, he's this uh, uh, imaginative conversation between good and evil and and so the devil and his demons are working against the forces of God. And Screwtape is the devil's servant. And, and they're talking about how to make the perfect formula. How, how do we get man? Here's what he says. An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. Can I tell you, in my experience with addicts, that's exactly how addiction works. It's an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. Hey, I got this pill. It makes me feel great. I'm going to take it again. I'm going to take it again and again and again. And now it takes two pills. And I'm going to get two pills. And I'm going to take them again and again and again. And now it takes four pills. And then it takes ten pills. And now I can't get it from the pill. i got to get it from a needle. And I can't get enough of it from the needle. So now I'm robbing my grandmother. I'm stealing from my parents. I'm holding up a liquor store. I'm, I'm trying to rob a bank. I'm, I'm taking from people in the street. I'm living in, in, you know, in terrible conditions. I've sold my body because I've got to get this... And it's an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. Listen, that's just a microcosm of everything else you're going to pursue in this life other than Christ. Again, Jared Wilson in his book, he says this, We're not looking to reject Jesus and shake our fist at God. We're just looking for a little more, a little better, a little greater. That's really what we're doing when we're pursuing happiness. God wants me to be happy. That statement forces me to pursue that ever-increasing craving with an ever-diminishing pleasure. It, it doesn't make me shake my fist at God and, and, and deny his existence or hate his existence. It just means I want a little bit more. God, you're, thank you so much. You're, you're awesome, but hey, I, you're just not doing it for me anymore. It drives me crazy when I hear people say, well, I just really, you know, my marriage just isn't doing it for me anymore, and I, I don't love him anymore, I don't love her anymore, and I know God just wants me to be happy, so I'm going to give up on my marriage. 
Let me read the quote again. The devil would love for you to be perfectly happy so long as you're not holy. He knows happily unholy people rob glory from God and go happily to hell. So here's the closing for the, for the thoughts that I'm trying to put together today. Here's a question. And this is the invitation. This is the question for you to ponder for our time of invitation. Now, if anybody needs to come to know Christ, you want to make a profession of faith, you, you've heard me talking, you're like, I don't know what any of that stuff is. I want the joy of the Lord. I want the, the peace of God. I need to know Christ. You can do that today. You've got, you've got a profession of faith that you're not living it out. You need to come and say, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I really want to serve him. You can do that. You want to join the church. I, any, I look, the invitation every time we do it is open for all of that. But specifically and intentionally today, I believe God's trying to get our attention. And I believe he's trying to focus our hearts on this question. Are you tired of chasing happiness only to find yourself worn out and empty? I don't know you. I don't know your specific story. Some of you I know pretty well, but not all of you, most of you. Are you, are you chasing happiness? Are you, is that what you're looking for in life? Are you an if-only person? Man, I just, I, if only I could get this, if only I could make it a little bit further, if only I could get a little bit more, if only I could just have a little bit more, if I could get a little bit higher on the, the, the social ladder, if I could get a promotion, if I could get more acclaim. Are you tired of chasing happiness only to find yourself worn out and empty? You should ask that question to yourself, and here's what I'll tell you. If you are, if your answer to that question is yes, I am, then start chasing holiness. Start chasing holiness through a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And trust Him to bring you joy. Again, happiness is overrated. Joy is really what you should be after. My hope is today that you will. Would you stand with me? Again, our invitation time is open for anything that you need to do. If the Holy Spirit has prompted you to come forward for prayer, uh, to make a profession of faith, rededicate your life, but maybe you're here today and you just say, Brother Kevin, I'm exhausted. I, I, I've tried. To, I've looked under every rock trying to find happiness. And I've, I've looked in wrong relationships. I've looked in, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs. I've looked in, in every, I've looked under everything I can look for in my life. And I cannot find happiness. Maybe today you just want to come and say, I, I don't want happiness anymore. I want Jesus. I want the joy of the Lord. I want the peace that passes understanding. I want to be in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I'm going to say a quick prayer. When I say amen, you come. Come talk to me. Uh, come talk to one of us up here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. and Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the challenge that you've placed in my life to make sure that I'm finding uh, everything that I need at the foot of the cross that I'm finding everything that I need in pursuit of your son, Jesus. I'm glad that you don't want me to be happy because if I was only happy, I wouldn't be able to get into your presence. I'm glad that you want me to be holy. Help us to see that today and then help us to live that today. Lord, if there's anybody here that's struggling with that today, I pray that you would help them. I pray that whatever your spirit desires for us to do today, we would respond in instant obedience to the command that you have called us to, to respond to, that your, your voice would be heard and would resonate in our hearts and we'd respond in faith. If somebody here today that doesn't know Christ, if somebody here today that just needs to, to get things right with you, I pray that whatever you want to do in this service, you accomplish your purposes. 
we submit to them and we give them to you today. We pray this in the Lord's name, Jesus Christ, amen.